0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. And uh, it's not quite this morning, but uh, we're going to be in Colossians 2. I just want to read a couple verses to start with. And this is going to be part two, warning about emerging wolves, emerging wolves. Jesus warned in Matthew seven fifteen. He said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Then, Colossians 2 4, the Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. Then, down to verse number 7, we should be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. "...beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ." From the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, there was an attack on the Word of God, and that that attack has never ceased. And one of Satan's most uh, wily tricks, I suppose is how that he disguises himself. His favorite disguise, if you will, is that of a religious disguise. That of a religious disguise. You cannot believe everything just because it may sound good. Uh, I want to show you a verse here in 1 John chapter 4. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. 1 John 4 verse number 1. And the Bible says this. Beloved, believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world i've had people tell me what they were going to do or what they believed that was contrary to the word of god and you know you want to know what their justification was The Spirit has led me this way. The Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, how do we know whether or not a spirit is of God? Because it's a spirit? Well, clearly not. Being a spirit does not justify uh, listening to. uh, How do we... Try the spirits. How do we know whether or not we should listen to the spirit we're hearing from? It, okay. The, the Holy Spirit of God. Now remember this. The Bible says how that the Spirit of God moved on the writers of the Bible. So the Bible, therefore, is, it is the Word of God written by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God will never go against the Word of God. That's important because if somebody talks about a spirit leading them, remember we've read this already. But the Bible warns in 2 Corinthians how that Lucifer, the Satan himself, will transform himself into an angel of light, and he'll give a message. Doria was sharing with a friend, and not every, not all the truth she was sharing with her religious friend who is in religious darkness. Uh, she didn't. It wasn't everything she wanted to hear, but it was what she needed to hear uh, because it was the truth. So the Spirit of God will never go against the Word of God. And we know what God is saying, and the Spirit of God is saying because of the Word of God. I'll add one more little caveat here. It doesn't have a ton to do with the, the message, but it does in, in the context of 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. I would say this as well. If we try the spirits by the word of God, whether they be of God. There's another thing as well. You don't need a voice if you've got a verse. If God said said something clearly in his word, do we need to wait for the spirit of God to lead us? Absolutely not. He's already spoken. He's already spoken. We don't have to say And I've, I've had people tell me that. Well, why are you not following this clear teaching in the Word of God? Or why are you not avoiding this clear prohibition in the Word of God? Well, I just don't feel like the Spirit of God has led me that way. What's the Bible say? He's already spoken. But you don't need a voice when you've got a verse. And the way we try the spirits is by the Word of God. I can't tell you the people that I've talked to and heard over the years that, that have talked about believing that the, the Spirit is leading them in a certain way. I will not argue with them that a Spirit is leading them in a different way. But on the, based on the authority of the Word of God, I will argue that the Holy Spirit of God. Now, who are exactly these other spirits that are out there? I mean, there's a couple different ways it could be said, but anybody, who are these other spirits that are out there working? They're demons. They're demons. And somebody said, I think, false prophets. They're working through false prophets. But literally, they are the demons of hell. And remember what I said. Remember what the scripture said. He transforms himself into an angel of light. Demons, you know, for the longest time, I always thought of demons as scary. And believe me, they are. Uh, I mean, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, praise God. Um, But I mean, they are scary. But I always thought if you saw any kind of manifestation of a demon, it was going to be something just horrifying. Startling to the senses. I didn't realize, in truth, it can be very subtle, very tricky. Uh, because the devil, uh, I don't lie, I don't want to give him too much credit, but it, it, it would be foolish to say he's an idiot. Uh, now, you could look at his plan and his major scheme that he thinks he's going to overthrow God, and he that sitteth in the heavens laughs at that. So he's an idiot in that sense, but in the sense of wisdom and knowing. How to work and trick man, he's pretty good at that. And may I just say this before I get too long. I didn't spend nearly enough time on this last week. When we talk about being warned, one of the greatest warnings that you should heed is to make sure today that your sins have been forgiven by God and that you have personally accepted Christ and His forgiveness for your sins. Religion is blinding more people and binding more people and leading more people on the broad road to destruction, to physical destruction, but ultimately spiritual destruction, to hell and the lake of fire because the majority of religions in the world are teaching man's efforts to get to God rather than saying Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He shed His blood, and the reason He did that is because the Bible said you're a sinner. You were born a sinner. You were a sinner by birth. You're a sinner by choice. You've sinned of your own volition. And you must repent and trust Christ in order to truly be saved. Do not trust your baptism. Do not trust your church. And I want to be very clear to someone who's listening saying, oh, you think it's just your church. No, do not trust this church. I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to have the baptism at the Hunt's Pool. And if you haven't followed the Lord in baptism yet, I encourage you to do so. But don't trust in the Hunt's Pool. Oh, preacher, you're the one that baptized me. So what? It reminds me of old D.L. Moody. And man, I've got to get back to the message here. But it reminds me of D.L. Moody when he was, uh, you've heard the story before, but he's walking through the streets of Chicago and there's some, you know, they say a million people came to Christ under D.L. Moody's ministry and preaching. But there was an old drunk stumbled up to him in the street and said, Brother Moody, I'm one of your converts. Dwight Moody looked at him and said, You must be one of my converts because you're certainly not one of God's. I can't save you. This church can't save you. No church can save you. Only Christ can save. So a great, great warning is, Do not put your faith in anything. If you were to die today, and you very well may, and you stand before God, if you had to answer the question, it will not go like this, but if you had to answer the question, why should I let you into heaven? If your answer, what what would your answer be? I'll give you a moment. But if that answer is anything besides Christ and Christ alone, then I warn you, you may have believed a lie. I believed that my, I was good enough. My good would outweigh my bad. Some people are taught that their baptism or their religion, their church, and so forth. Now, I'm more specifically uh, warning a, a broad warning as we do part two, and I'm calling the message Emerging Wolves because I'm trying to talk about the emerging church. And I understand that there's, there's some of these terms that you could probably live and die and never know and be just fine. But I will try as I go through this to emphasize the principles that will help you, whether or not you're interested in the emerging church or not, some of the biblical principles that will help you as you go through this life. We kind of got to the point last week, we stopped off, I was trying to give a a brief explanation and give some terms, uh, some definitions that we deal with, and once again, just bear with me a moment. I want to talk about modernism uh, that kind of come across during the Enlightenment period. We still deal with modernism today. The basic idea of modernism is uh, there is truth, uh, but we can find it through human reasoning, not through God. Anybody ever hear this stuff? All this God stuff is all just a bunch of supernatural mumbo jumbo before people knew any better. Now, the only problem with that is uh, we know that that's not so. I mean, listen, the more science discovers, the more they start to catch up with the Bible. That's the way it works. Um, <laughs> the, the, more, uh, the more they, stu- they, they find in uh, archaeology, the more they've got to say, oh, okay, yes, the Bible, the Bible still stands, people. But there's modernism. People say it, I'm telling you, it's not very strong. Uh, it's presented very strong, but they honestly don't have a whole lot to stand on. But there's modernism. Uh, and by the way, if you want to look at some of the fruit of modernism, the man without God picture. Look at you can look at uh, fascism, you know, which led to Nazism, uh, uh, and communism as well um, are products of modernism and the quote unquote enli- human enlightenment. Uh, in the religious world, we're dealing with the form of postmodernism. Okay, modernism teaches that there is truth, but we don't need God to find it. We just have human reason. We can find it with without bringing God into the equation which in essence makes you God makes man God and that's why it's so appealing but postmodernism is that there may be truth but we just can't know it and we we talked about that some last week there's a truth but you just can't know it that's where the whole idea of your truth my truth you know you have your truth I have my truth we're we're all right and all we can do is tolerate each other because none of us are wrong everybody uh, but does that stand up in the world is there not right and wrong in the world and we've talked about that but so i want to get into basically a descendant of postmodernism and that's what's known as the early or as the emerging church so if you'll just bear with me a moment i'll talk to you about the emerging church it's something we need to be beware of i believe part of my job is to warm. these ain't fun messages for me but i'm preaching through colossians and i really felt led to deal with some of these things the emerging church is a descendant of post uh, postmodernism the ideology contends Basically, listen to this. The ideology contends that it's arrogant to believe that one knows the truth. Now just pause there for a second. Have you dealt with that before? Have you dealt with that when you've said, you can know that you're saved? You can know you have the word of God. And when you say, I I know I'm saved. I've had people tell me, well, wow, you must think you're something. Have you? I mean, I know some of you. I've had the conversations. But they think it's arrogant to say that someone believes that they know the truth. Instead, they believe the truth is only to be determined subjectively, fashioned by culture, and not by scripture. Um, it's, it is contended that each person must find his own way to God and not be addicted to what they call bibliolatry, which they say is the worship of the Bible which is what they're actually referring to is people that believe the Bible is what God said it was, and that is the Word of God. But they call that bibliolatry, worshiping the Bible. Um, But what it sounds like a lot to me is something that we find in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25. And some of you will be familiar with this, but the Bible says, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And what, what happened, if, you, if you're familiar with the book of Judges, what happens when every man done that, does that which is right in his own eyes? Is that happening in America today? You look at the rising crime rates in our country today. You look at some of the negative numbers that are continually on the rise because people have their own truth. Every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes. From the emerging church perspective, the, this modern idea, and I, I put church in quotes, but virtually all biblical teaching is now declared to be mere tradition. You know how, you, you know how there's some of the, the leftists that have been fighting the United States of America try to call the Constitution and the Bill of Rights a living document? Basically, it needs to change with the culture. Well, that's kind of how they view the Bible. Well, it just, you know, it's just this kind of fluctuating, wishy-washy, you know, apply it where you need it in culture. But they do not believe in the Bible to be the word of God. It's just, they look at it more of mere tradition. Biblical authority yields to emotionalism. Now, what do you do if you really feel one way, but God's word says the other? Which which do you go with? You go with God's Word. Uh, Well, well, you know, I just feel like i got to follow. Doesn't God say to follow our hearts? No. Uh, We can follow our hearts if our hearts are following the Word of God. Uh, But what we need to understand is that we need to understand that there is a deceitful nature to our hearts. Amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's, it's deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Now, that doesn't say that God can't use our hearts and work through our hearts, but the point is is we don't go with our hearts or our emotions over the Word of God. Um, another thing I'll say here quickly about the emergent church is emergent leaders advocate pagan uh, spirituality dressed in new clothes. They, they, they emphasize practices and not belief. Now, to, to how many of you Does the idea of spiritual formation sound pretty good? I want to be spiritually formed. Spiritual formation doesn't sound bad to me. And those two words, spiritual formation, I suppose isn't. They they aren't bad words. But that's something that they call, it's it's a whole brand of their spirituality. They call it spiritual formation. Not based on the Word of God. What, What it has is it is... An idea, and basically it's incorporating ancient mysticism into Christianity. And again, I'm not going to go into a lot of these things, but it's interesting to me that we're studying the book of Colossians, and in the book of Colossians, that's the same thing that these people were trying to do. They were trying to incorporate pagan and mystic. If you remember, that's one of the things we talked about. This Colossian cult believed in this mysticism and that some, these Gnostics, some people were in the know because they, and it's the exact same thing of the emerging church of today. Um, So it's pretty interesting. Uh, There's things called contemplative prayer. Uh, which ba- it's, it's known also as centering prayer, breath prayer, meditation, or listening prayer, is one of the most esteemed spiritual disciplines taught in spiritual formation. Contemplative prayer is basically a form of Christian mysticism that allegedly brings about a mystical union with God. How would you like to have a, this union with God that no one else could have? Well, that's the thing, same thing the Colossians were teaching, by the way. But it's this idea... That through repetition of a mantra, repetition of some sort of mantra, focusing on one's breathing, yoga participants, uh, nothing wrong with doing yoga. I, don't, I really don't believe there's anything with, uh, wrong with just doing the yoga stretches, but uh, be careful about the yoga philosophy, um, because it's, it comes from that New Age movement as well, just like this does. But focusing on one's breathing, contemplate. Cont- contemplating images or icons. And basically it's an open door. It's basically you open yourself up and bottom line is it's old occult practices that they're calling Christian and bringing in to the new world. Now, how how do we grow and form spiritually? We grow and form spiritually through the work of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. And God is between God and us. We are responsible for our spiritual formation. It's not sitting around in a room with candles, uh, you know, repeating a mantra over and over and over and over and over again. It's getting into the Word of God, praying, repenting, letting God do a work in our in our lives. Jesus said this: If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. Then shall ye. Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So our spiritual formation comes through enlightenment and abiding in the Word and through the Holy Spirit. But what happens is in the emergent model, truth becomes unimportant. The message is that Christ is not necessarily the way to salvation. And we need to consider homosexuality, abortion, and other things like that. We need to reconsider those hateful uh, ideas to be against those things. Basically, it is packaged as a way to embrace worldly sexual sin and still believe that one is a Christian. This is on the rise big time. Um, there's a... Uh, uh, boy, I tell you, let's... Oh yeah, here we go. This, this gives you an idea. Uh, Brian McLaurin is a huge... Uh, emergent church leader and here's what he said sure we have homosexuals in our church but we also have people who like chocolate and people who are overweight same thing uh now i'll just say this i won't spend a ton of time on it you can go back and watch sunday's sunday school lesson i've told you before uh we, we, we have had and a, a, a number, I mean several, uh, quite a few homosexual people that come into this church. Many of them are, are related and they live out of town. But you know what I'm glad about? When they're in town, they normally come to this church. What does this preacher do when he sees those homosexual people? I run and give them a big old hug around the neck and tell them I'm loving them. I'm glad to see them. Hey, Amen. I want to make clear about that. I love them to death. I really do. We have a homosexual people. Love them to death. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a sin. Uh, but that's, that's the way they justify this. Again, I'll give you the, the quote again. Sure, we have homosexuals in our church, but we also have people who like chocolate and people who are overweight. Does anybody feel offended by that right now, by the way? Um, so it's just the next wave of a cultural accommodation, redefining Christianity in terms that are acceptable to whatever the trendy sin is and whatever the trendy way of thinking is. But it's really just the same thing. It's a moving away from the Word of God to adapt to the sins of society. They want to be popular with society. And uh, the the trends are always about, let's find out what people want. Let's find out what the hot buttons are. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, (laughs) And it's interesting. If the Bible says something against it, they're just going to deny it. I mentioned this the other week, but I just say that it's interesting how that truth, truth, truth is what stays relevant. Time to wake up. Uh, listen, truth is always relevant. All right? Here's the, funny, the, the interesting thing. Robert Shuler back in the day, was that his name? Crystal Cathedral and all that? All right. They, they were some of the first ones. What do people want? We're going to do a survey. What do you want in a church? Now, listen. I'll, I'll just say right now, I don't mind that to some extent, but if, it, if it's violating scriptural guidelines, I'm not letting the world tell me what they want in a church. You know, there's churches today, and I've got to put some big old air quotes on this one. I remember Miss Henson, my sixth grade teacher, she was always, but I put some big old air quotes on church. There's churches today, what do you want? And there's literally churches today that have a bar set up in back of their church. There's a lot of these, by the way. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing. Uh, but the, the crazy thing is, that's the thing. But So that's what Robert Shull did. What, what do y'all want? But here's the problem. What, what, what years was that? 70s, 80s? Was it? Anyway, they did that. But here's the thing. Trying to be relevant is interesting because isn't the Crystal Cathedral a big deal today? These young folks are looking at me like, uh, the Crystal who? Robert who? Because guess what? He accommodated to those people. Guess what happened with those people? They got old. And they didn't keep on saying, oh, 10 years have gone by. Let's totally revamp everything in the church again. Uh, Matter of fact, I think it was Willow Creek that came along and did that. They did the same thing. We're going to, what do you want? That's what we're going to do. And when they saw themselves dying, that's when they saw that they need to revisit that way of thinking and get back to the word of God. It never changes. But I'm just simply trying to say that there's people that are just trying, that's the idea of the emerging church, which goes to a couple other things, and i got to give these to you quickly. Number one, I mentioned this last week, ambiguity. Any of you, vocabulary or word people know what ambiguity means? I know it because I looked it up, and I love words, I love vocabulary. I don't speak them too well, the words, but I try. Ambiguity is doubtfulness or uncertainty of signification. From a word's being susceptible of different meanings or double meanings, ambiguity. Brian McLaren, again, one of the emergent church leaders, says that ambiguity is a really good thing. It's really good when it comes to the Word of God to have doubtfulness, uncertainty, double meanings, being susceptible to many different meanings. Some, some emergent church leaders believe that there is value in uncertainty about Scripture. The bottom line to the movement is they believe that we aren't even supposed to understand precisely what the Bible says. It is an attack on the clarity of Scripture. The, in, this, in modernism that we talked about earlier, the human mind trumps the Bible. So modernism, that's where the human mind trumps God in the Bible. Y'all got faith that some creator made creation and creatures? Yeah, we, yeah, we do. We, we believe that if there's a um, we believe there's a design, therefore there must have been a designer. You know how crazy is that? But we believe in science. See, see what we figured out. You believe in man come from a rock? I mean, you believe God? You believe man come from a god? what do you believe oh well we believe something better than that oh there was a bunch of something floating around in nothing where where did it come from oh we don't know but it was there all of a sudden it all became together well what brought it together oh we don't know that either but but it brought it together and all the matter in our universe and all of a sudden it started spinning around so fast and just there was an explosion and off it went well, wait, why are even planets, why is there at least one planet in our solar system spinning in the opposite direction? Well, never mind that. Never mind that. Um, well, and then Earth was one of the, 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 the planets that spun out of here. And it was red hot. But then it began to rain. <laughs> Where'd the rain? Okay. Quit asking questions, okay? It began to rain. And it began to rain on those hot rocks. And over a period of millions of years, there was something, there was a single cell amoeba come out of that, that hot rock. And from there there came a tadpole and from there it turned into a frog and from there to a monkey and from there to a professor. So you fools believe you came from a God. We believe we came from a rock. Born out of rain and toxic sludge. Oh, we're not worthy to be in your presence, O oh wise one. How can you be such a genius and i assume you must have been there to witness all of this do not back down to this intellectual nonsense um, that's exactly what it is so in modernism the human mind trumps the god in the bible but in postmodernism, mystery trumps the trumps the bible oh i don't know what does it say well it says this to me what does it say to you? Oh, well, that's fine if it says that to you. See, mystery. And so it, it sounds good because man, we believe the Bible. We just don't know what it says. Maybe it says this. Maybe it says something else. But I believe at the heart of this is John three nineteen, where Jesus said, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Um, and so the Bible is clear on Jesus is the only way it's clear on homosexuality. It's clear on adultery. It's clear on fornication. And by the way, isn't it amazing people that try to be modernist, they still get appalled. You know what, what one of the greatest things, that I need to get off of this modern, I'm trying to be on the post-modernist, but the, one of the things that the modernists, those that are so much smarter than God in the Bible and all that, you know what, what, what is their biggest gripe against Christianity? One of their biggest gripes. All the people. That Christianity has been responsible for the death of so many people. Let me tell you something. Christianity hasn't been the, 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 the responsible for, for the deaths of anyone, I dare say. False religion in the name of Christianity, yes. But here's, here's the problem with all that. Well, wait. I thought you said that right and wrong was a relevant thing. Isn't it interesting? They take this big moral stand, oh, you're so off. I mean, never mind that in the 20th century alone, communism is responsible for the death of like, what, 200 million people? But never mind that. But it's interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden, we're going to be moral, and all of a sudden, there's right and wrong. And they're appalled. They try to have it both ways, and that's just another story, but the Bible's clear on all these things. But see, the postmodernists don't want clarity. They want to run from the light... Folks, the Word of God, the Scripture, is light, and it is not darkness. But since they like darkness, they do not want the light. That's the whole deal there. Another word I want to give you tonight, and just bear with me because this is, this is the last week, I'm moving on after this week, so just let me finish this up the best I can. Another, another word I want to give you is this one, pragmatism. Anybody knows what it is to be pragmatic? Pragmatic, being pragmatic pragmatic's not always bad. You can ask my wife. My wife likes doing things a certain way. And from what I'm told, that's the right way. All right. But here's the thing. When it comes to doing the, doing the thing, just say it's doing the dishes. In my pragmatic mind, the bottom line is the dishes are done. But no, no, no. The dishes, they start in this sink, they go to this one, you wash this one this way, you stack this one this way, you dry, it's all, see for her, it's so I'm pragmatic when it comes to that. And I'm just like, honey, what's the bottom line? And I'll just say, just go in there, when you come back, the dishes are going to be clean and done, even though I may have done it a different way. So pragmatism, in some ways, isn't always bad, even though my wife may disagree. But when it comes to a philosophical sense, pragmatism is bad, especially when you bring into the Word of God. See, I'll just give you the definition. In philosophy, pragmatism is a method of thought, a general movement or tendency of thought in which stress is placed upon practical consequences, the dishes are done, and practical values as standards for ex. For, uh, exp- I'm going to skip that word, for conceptions and as tests for determining their value and especially their truth. Bottom line, here it is. So you've got some church somewhere. They've totally departed from the Word of God as far as calling it the Word of God. They've totally embraced the things that God has clearly stood against. They're growing like crazy. They had 200 baptisms last month. Now, pragmatism. Somebody looks at me and says, Preacher, how dare you say anything against those people? How many of you baptized this year? So what happens? Since they have more people coming, and they've got more people that's gotten baptized, what happens? Basically, here's pragmatism. The ends justify the means. Oh, Preacher, we're just trying to get the drunks out of the bar, and we're just trying to get them back here at the church. And so now we can add all that number to our church roll. How dare... Preacher, you can't say nothing about them. They've got thousands over there. They must be doing something right. Hey, listen, just because somebody has thousands, by the way, doesn't mean they're doing anything wrong. But my, my pragmatism is just this. The ends justify the means. Now, again, in the dishes, this may not matter too much. But when God is clear on a certain thing... We do not just say, well, you know what, I know God's against it, but hey, people seem to like it, and people are coming, and now we've got more people in church. That's got to be good, right? But pragmatism is something that you see a lot of today. I'm going to say this. This goes along with pragmatism. What's so interesting about the, uh, the movement that we're talking about is that it sanctifies the culture. The emerging church sanctifies the postmodern culture as if it is legitimate. It says if we're going to reach these people, we've got to become like these people. That's never been the biblical way. Never. The Bible does not change. The Bible is not a chameleon. The Bible in precept does not change and adapt to culture. It confronts the culture... It confronted Aboriginal culture, it confronted ancient culture, and it confronts modern culture. It confronts every trend with a fixed, unchanging truth based upon the Word of God. Whether it's in precept or principle, it confronts with clear Bible teaching and a biblical world view the emerging church is not only unwilling to believe the clear statement of Scripture, but it's unwilling to take the clear statement of Scripture and to confront the culture with it. It wants to let the culture define what Christianity should be. And in the name of love and tolerance, these things are accepted. Sanctifying the culture. Being pragmatic. Folks, God's Word still stands. Now remember... You're looking at a preacher that, and I've told you this before, I'm not interested. I mean, I appreciate what, you know, independent fundamental Baptists may have been doing in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and all that. I don't, I don't mind changing that stuff to reach people. I don't. But I do mind changing the Word of God, and we're not going to do that, Amen. I mean, listen, I mean, I don't mind uh, when it comes to things that are just tradition. I mean, you know, some people, some people, there's people, I'm just confusing. People would think the Amish people are the most spiritual people you've ever seen. Because they've stayed true to the old ways. And so many people that think they're so, so, so mighty and so high, mighty and spiritual and holier than thou... Well, man, compared to the, the Amish, man, they're still a bunch of compromisers, amen, and they're worldly, right? See, what they don't want to admit is that, and again, that's a whole other path I'm going down. What I'm simply trying to say is, God' word. we talked about God's precepts, we talked about principles. The precepts, the things that are very clear, principles are clear too, but principles apply to culture. Precepts are what they are. Precepts are a hard line that don't change. It's never going to be okay to kill. It's never going to be okay to murder someone. Now, now, self-defense and stuff like that, that we're, that's, we're not talking about murder in that situation. That's a different conversation. But it's never going to be all right to kill. It's never going to be all right to uh, commit adultery. How about this? But I just love them so much. How, how, many, how, many, how many wives have left their husbands? How many love, husbands have left their wives? Why? Because they fell in love with somebody else. Well, whoop de do You made a vow before God, amen? And that vow is till death do we part. Uh, listen, uh, but people try to do that stuff. We try to justify sin, and I'm telling you, I, I told you about this before, I'm going to say it, and I'm going I'm to wrap up with this and try to close. I just think about, I had a former pastor, and I'm saying this right on live, I don't give a rip, but I had a former pastor that, uh, that started cheating on his wife. And the reason why is he felt like they knew each other in high school and it's almost like just God brought them back together again. How lovely. And so they started getting together, spending time together. By the way, I tell my kids, my kids wonder why I don't want want them spending time with the opposite sex uh, by themselves in these quarters. You want to know something? This guy doesn't either. This guy doesn't either. And I don't have quite near the hormones that these boys got going on in their bodies right now. I don't do that either. But they start spending all this time together. Uh, and, they, and, and then all of a sudden, one thing led to another. Uh, he, divorced, he She left his, her husband. He left his wife. But don't worry. There's a, there's a church with a lot of love and tolerance. And it was okay because within probably a month, good old preachers up there back up on the platform again playing the bass. And lead and worship in the church. What a loving church. That they would let an adulterer that left his wife, broke his vows, uh, encouraged and led another woman to break her vows with her husband, get up on the platform and lead in worship and go on like everything's okay. Because after all, they were in love. After all, we really felt like God. We were supposed to be together all along. And I'm just telling you today that I don't care what you say. That's not of God. Amen. The Bible's spoken on those things. Hey, if somebody's messed up, guess what? They're welcome. If somebody's, I mean, you can make a terrible mess of your life. And I want you to know something. You can get restored. But I also want you to know something that this quote unquote love does not sanctify and make it right. You've got to get it right. Amen. Amen. We need to get our hearts right with God. We don't want to embrace people. We don't want to embrace people's sin. We want to embrace and love people, amen, and help people. I don't care how bad they've messed up. I don't care what their sexual preference is. I don't care how they identify. I want to reach them for Jesus and love them, amen? But I'm just simply saying that we do not do that by embracing and sanctifying the sinfulness that which God has called Sin, we do not do that by turning away from the Word of God. Amen. All right. Well, let's all stand, and I want to ask. Um, let's see. There, there you are, uh, Miss Barbara, She would to come and play this evening, uh, and I, I know this may not be an invitation type of message. But before we dismiss, I want to say that I appreciate so much your patience tonight. And uh, but I started off tonight, and you can just start playing whenever you're ready. I appreciate so much everyone being here. And I just want to say one more time, whether it's people that are listening, whether it's someone that's here tonight, if you do not know Christ as your Savior, you say, Preacher, I didn't follow half of what you said. Well, if you didn't follow nothing else, would you please follow this? Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross for you. And I want you to know something. If you're here tonight, if you're listening tonight, you are not here and you're not listening by accident. There's a God in heaven that invested the life of His only begotten Son. Jesus Christ invested His blood so that you could be saved. You know why? Because baptism couldn't save you. Because Baptist, Lutheran, Catholic, Mormon, Methodist, you name it, couldn't save you. Because only He can save. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus is your Savior, I want to beg you tonight, will you run to Him tonight? Will you open your heart's door and accept Him as your Savior? child of God, stand in the word of God. Get in the word of God. Know the word of God. You're not going to be able to try the spirits if you don't know know your Bible. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, I want to encourage you right now. You say, preacher, what do I do? From your heart, you just simply cry out while God's working on your heart. Dear God, I admit to you tonight that I am a sinner. I have sinned against you Lord, I want to turn from my sins now. I want you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again the third day. I want you to come into my heart and my life and be my Savior. If you could pray a prayer like that from your heart, let me tell you something. God will save your soul. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the patience of these folks. Thank you for the truth. There's many dangers out there. Satan's working. Satan's working. Man, the deceivers are out there. Help us not to go to the left hand. I feel like that's what I'm trying to encourage people tonight. But God, help us not to be the fools that go to the right. And start doing you a favor by trying to impose things that you've never imposed. Just because old brother so-and-so back in the day did it. Help us to stay true to your word, dear Lord, and we'll love you and thank you for that, dear God. In Jesus' name, thank you so much for your patience.